As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, I warmly welcome you to this service, which is brought to you while our doors are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. It has been collated from our archive of live choral music, together with readings, prayers and a sermon recorded for this service. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Is risen. He is risen Please be seated. It's a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's for our choral Eucharist on this, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world right now, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you're very much part of the St. Bride's family. 
we begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore rejoice by putting away all malice and evil and confessing our sins with a sincere and true heart. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Almighty God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, is the resurrection and the life, raise us who trust in him from the death of sin to the life of righteousness, that we may seek those things which are above, where he reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, beginning at the 42nd verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle is taken from the first letter of Peter, chapter 2, beginning at the 19th verse. For it is to your credit if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, where is the credit in that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a graduate student, I spent two years living in a community house owned by SCM, the Student Christian Movement. There were eight of us living there together officially, although there were generally other floating residents there from time to time as well. And we lived together, we cooked together, we ate together, we shared responsibility for the house and its upkeep, and quite a few of us worshipped together at the same church. They were two of the most wonderful and the most challenging years of my life. Wonderful because so much of it was hugely enjoyable and it led to some lasting friendships. And also because those two years taught me so much about myself and about other people. They really were formative. They shaped me in very many ways. But goodness me, was it challenging. Because trying to negotiate your way through a shared life with a disparate group of people with their own ideas and priorities and needs and aptitudes and blind spots is never easy. A shared life can be hard enough with members of your own family, as many have been discovering anew during this period of lockdown. Sometimes it can take a great deal of grace and forgiveness for relationships under pressure to survive intact. And all too often, community life breaks down when those qualities are missing 
or in short supply. Which is perhaps why the vision of the corporate life shared by the first Christians who held their possessions in common, which was described to us in our first reading from Acts this morning, was a vision of life that never really caught on. But it does leave us with a very interesting question, namely, what should the Christian life look like? How should we live as Christians? Our second reading from 1 Peter certainly speaks to us of how we should live, although its primary concern is not so much how we should organize ourselves as with our inner disposition. How should we respond when we know we are unjustly punished or threatened or abused? In response, we're pointed to the model of Christ himself. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. And we are charged to return to him, the shepherd and guardian of our souls. In the Old Testament, it was a very important principle of justice that punishment should be proportionate to the crime committed and never vengeful. That is what underlies the phrase, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And it has its own kind of commendable logic, the notion that the punishment should fit the crime. But although that principle might satisfy the basic human need to see justice done, Jesus repeatedly makes it clear to his followers that for them it will not do. He requires more of them than that. Because as a principle, an eye for an eye might well serve to maintain society, but it's not a strategy for transforming the hearts and minds of those within it. Or, to put it another way, in order to make the world a radically different place, a place of true healing and hope, we need to look beyond ordinary human notions of fairness and just deserts to something more, something far more powerful and infinitely more transformative by drawing the healing love of God into situations of aggression and violence and injustice. Indeed, in chapter 5 of St. Matthew's Gospel, we find a whole cluster of famous sayings by Jesus on this very theme, one after another. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? So, how do we respond to those whom we find challenging, those who would do us harm, those who try to make our lives difficult, those whom we really do struggle to love. I wonder. I'm currently reading a very good book written by Richard Carter, one of the clergy at St. Martin in the Fields just down the road from here. 
The book is called The City is My Monastery. Before coming to St. Martin's, Carter lived for several years as a member of the Melanesian Brotherhood, an Anglican community based in the Solomon Islands. While he was there, he taught theology, and one of his students was a man who was originally from one of the fiercest tribes in the Pacific Islands, but who had converted to the Christian faith. Why did you decide to become a Christian? Carter asked him. The answer the man gave was a single word, forgiveness. He then went on to add, there is no forgiveness among my people. The Christian gospel is forgiveness. I need that forgiveness from Christ, and so do my people. It is forgiveness that gives true meaning and depth to our understanding of the love of God. It is forgiveness that can give a quite different quality to our life as a community. It is a forgiveness that Christ exemplified in his life and in his sacrificial death and which unleashed its full transformative power through the resurrection. Even in the short time that I spent living in a Christian community, one of the lessons that I learned was that the rifts that were hardest to heal were always those where the impetus to seek and find forgiveness had been lost somewhere along the line. So, how does one acquire and maintain the capacity to forgive, especially to forgive those who have wronged us profoundly or who have no desire to be forgiven? Back in 2006, G. Walker, the mother of the murdered teenager, Anthony Walker, and herself a woman of faith, was interviewed on Woman's Hour about how she was able to forgive her son's killers. She replied very simply, forgiveness is something we need to practice. It helps me heal and move forward. Forgiveness is something we need to practice. And she is so right. True forgiveness is not simply a rational choice that we make. Rather, it is a human quality that we need to cultivate and to inhabit until it becomes part of who we are. And we do that by striving to live it, by practicing it. In that sense, there are no shortcuts. Yes, we can and will fail and fall short. Yes, we can find that we are lacking in love and in the inclination to heal what is broken. But the thing that matters is that we always continue to try, trusting in the example of the Good Shepherd who is always there ahead of us. Our first reading this morning from Acts not only describes how those first Christians shared their possessions, 
but it also describes how they ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. Perhaps another key to deepening our life with one another and within the communities of which we are a part is to be found here. Secular research has demonstrated that those who are able to approach life with a fundamental sense of gratitude for the good things around them enjoy the greatest and most lasting sense of well-being. How much more true that can be for those of us who strive to follow the call of the Good Shepherd, the one in whom we trust, the one who brings healing and hope, the one in whom and through whom we can learn the true nature and the true power of forgiveness. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as the scourge of the coronavirus rages, we pray that your guiding torch will direct leaders of all nations towards a fertile path for its containment. May governments be guided by comprehensive advice and considered by governors across the political spectrum. May transparency, accountability and frankness reign while self aggrandizement be but a virus-free droplet while altruism overflows. Thinking of those living within our borders, we pray for the healthcare workers, the paramedics, the pharmacists and those who work with them. 
We pray for the seamstresses and tailors who make scrubs, the people who are making visors, the people who grow and contribute healthy food to the healthcare workers, and the people who deliver this produce. We pray for those who are taking food to the self isolating. We pray for the street cleaners and rubbish collectors, the transport workers, and those running small grocery shops. We pray for the poverty stricken who cannot afford to fill their larders and pay their rent. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the clergy providing pastoral care to members of our Christian community. We pray for those working in the media who risk their health, endeavouring to inform us about the reality of the virus. We pray for those stricken with the virus who fear death is hovering and those recovering. We pray for the souls of those who have died from the virus. We wish we could tightly hold the hands of their loved ones who were enveloped by the excruciating pain of bereavement. We pray for those suffering from the mental effects of isolation, desperate for human banter and a hug, someone with whom to share a pot of peppermint tea. We pray for those suffering from domestic abuse who face the possibility of being severely injured and killed. We pray for those in the refugee camps and the people helping to provide relief. We thank the EU and other countries beyond who are contributing vital equipment to the NHS. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you, Lord, for being our refuge and our strength and hope you will forgive our dare to ask you to help us not to return to normal, but instead to help us find a new way of living that is kind to our fragile environment, one whereby self-fulfillment stems from nourishing the seeds of a wholesome, harmonious community, one that is free from the chains of greed. We pray, dear Lord, that the unexpected love and concern for the other that burst forth from the phenomenon of the virus, which in the life of old would have been but a science fiction fantasy, remains with us all forevermore. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? The risen Christ came and stood among his disciples and said, Peace be with you. Then were they glad when they saw the Lord. Alleluia. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Let us pray. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. But chiefly we are bound to praise you because you raised him gloriously from the dead. For he is the true Paschal Lamb who was offered for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Merciful Father, you gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Good Shepherd, and in his love for us, to lay down his life and rise again. Keep us always under his protection, and give us grace to follow in his steps. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Go in the peace.